Welcome to Gangray the Podcast. I'm Matt Tullis. This week's guest is Sonia Huber. Huber is the author of five books, including The Evolution of Hillary Rodham Clinton. That's what we're going to talk to her about today, among some of her other writing. Huber's book on Clinton is a little different from the other type of work she has done, as it's a book of straight-up journalistic aggregation with some analysis thrown in. She's also written Cover Me, a health insurance memoir, which we'll talk about, as well as Opa Nobody, a book about her search for meaning in the life of her long-dead grandfather. She has a new book of essays coming out in 2017 titled Pain Woman Takes Your Keys, Essays from a Nervous System. Huber has been published in literary journals and magazines, including the New York Times, Creative Nonfiction, Brevity, Fourth Genre, The Chronicle of Higher Education, and the Washington Post Magazine. Even more exciting for me is the fact that she's an associate professor in the English department at Fairfield University and teaches in the university's low-res MFA program. That means she is now my colleague. It also means she's joining us in the studio today. As usual, we've linked to a lot of Huber's work on our website. You can find that at gangrythepodcast.com. Sonia, welcome to Gangry the Podcast. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about uh, your book, The Evolution of Hillary Rodham Clinton. Um, first off, can you talk about what the main crux of that book is and like what the what the what was the purpose? Sure, definitely. Um, so uh, the purpose for me was to actually uh, examine Hillary as a candidate. I was invited to do the book and then um, realized actually, you know, I had been immersed in other political issues but didn't know about basically her current stance on um, a lot of things I cared about. And there was such, uh, you know, obviously there's been such an inflammatory range of opinions and very polarized this election in particular, but also a longstanding polarization when it comes to just Hillary Clinton in general. So part of me, part of my job was to really, I wanted to read as much as I could about her and then go through the issues, particularly issues that she was criticized on, and examine for myself, examine the evidence, and just more than, uh, more even than presenting a pro or a con, really uh, aim for somewhere in the middle. So um, you, you said it was kind of offered to you. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about how that came about and, uh, and your concerns as when it was offered to you and what, what, what went through your mind then? Definitely. Um, so uh, Okla Elliott, who's a friend of mine, he had written a book about Bernie Sanders for a, a publisher in the UK called Eyewear. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a great publisher and they have a base in poetry, but they've been branching out into these series of little portable readable books about major public figures. Mm-hmm. So uh, Okla had written the Bernie book, and then they were looking for um, someone to write about Hillary. And he suggested me because I write a lot about politics. Mm-hmm. And uh, I at first, you know, I just it was surprising. And then I just said, no, I don't think I can do it. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I have sort of the the background to be able to write a book that says, you know, I'm 100 percent in support of Hillary and here's my long-standing passion for her. I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said no. And then I slept on it, uh, you know, overnight. And then I got up and I realized how problematic that was for me. Um, 
as an essayist, which I identify as as much as a journalist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I really always want to pursue the question. So I want to pursue if I don't know something or if I feel weird about it, like, why, why? Mm-hmm. So then I was like, oh, my God, actually, this is perfect. Like, I need to take this on because it's a challenge, mm-hmm. but also... Um, the fact that I don't know how I feel must mean something. And, you know, that actually, when I thought about it for a second, it's actually what so many people have voiced. Like, oh, there's just something about her. And I have opinions that are very strong about almost everything. So the fact that I couldn't articulate something really bothered me. So mm-hmm. I realized I did need to take on the project. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the fact that it was published in the UK, it's a UK publisher, uh-huh. does that change how you write the book in terms of... I mean, because obviously you can buy books from published anywhere nowadays, but was it tailored to like a specific audience or no? Yeah, actually, their their first interest was uh, for this Squint series uh, was uh, the, my editor, Kelly Davio, who's also wonderful and a wonderful poet. Uh, she said that they wanted to be the book to be able to function as a big introduction to Hillary mm-hmm. for a, a a, a European audience that might not know anything about her. Mm-hmm. So it did have to include all the background of her story. Right. And then that was actually super helpful for me, too. Mm-hmm. I could come at it from an angle of I want to understand the whole person and the whole career rather than just picking a few um, uh, flashpoints. Mm-hmm. How did you how did you research this? What, what was the first thing you did? So, okay, so you accept, you, you woke up the next day. Yeah. You said, you know what? I changed my mind. Can right. I still do it? Uh, and they're like, yeah. So then what, <laughs> now you're like, okay, okay. You just signed the contract. Now what? Now what's the first thing you did? So the book was actually, it was written on a pretty tight deadline because we needed to get it mm-hmm. out in time for, right. you know, primary and then election. And uh, I, I, luckily I read really fast. Um <laughs> So I went, you know, I had been sort of, as the conversation about the book had developed, I had been collecting big thing mm-hmm. pieces about Hillary. But I went to the library, I went old school, and just got as many big Hillary tomes as I could, two written by her and I think two others about her. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see what her own narrative was about her story. And I wanted to, uh, you know, see how she's covered from the outside. And really it became clear that... Uh, uh, the books that were written about her were definitely either pro or anti mm-hmm. and had a case to build either way. So I read some of both of those. And right. then I delved into all the most recent stuff and then started to look specifically. I had made a list of all the things that my Bernie supporting friends were critical of her about mm-hmm. and all the list of uh, positions that Trump uh, supporters criticized her about mm-hmm. because I wanted to see if I could get to the bottom of some of those. Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel like you did? Yeah, I actually do. I mean, I the one thing I totally didn't touch was the email thing because it just seems right. like a vortex that I mean, of all the crises going on in the world, I can't muster any rage about that for whatever reason. But I I feel like I got maybe not an informed perspective, mm-hmm. but I got something helpful for right. for most of the issues. What was the most helpful thing that you read about her? Like was it a, was it a book? Was it a, a, an old an older article? What was the thing that you read that maybe gave you the biggest insight into to who she is? 
I mean, I, th- I think, uh, oh, gosh. Well, one of the things that was really most helpful was, um, you know, I came into the project critical of her because I was critical of what the new Democratic model, the new Democrat model pioneered by Bill Clinton had done to the Democratic Party. Right. So as I went into it, I realized that this was a big part of my unease. Mm-hmm. So and then I sort of unpacked that, began to think also about why Bill Clinton had come up with that. And a lot of it was due to the pressure from the far right and Newt Gingrich. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, sort of began to really situate this in history for me. And then, But the other thing about her that I found really compelling is just the small detail uh, interviews for, with her um, with her staff mm-hmm. uh, they some staff member described just how she runs a meeting so she's sort of got this endless Leslie Nope endurance for meetings mm-hmm. and she just really wants to hear what everybody has to say for as long as it takes mm-hmm. um, and uh, another thing that stuck with me is just that when she's on a speaking tour and she's listening to constituents, she'll make just notes of what people say. And then um, when she gets back to the office, her staff spreads all this stuff out and then integrates all these scraps of paper into documents Mm -hmm. so that she feels somehow that pieces of information from people she talks to, uh, it's urgent to sort of deal with them and understand them. And I just, you know, that was something really surprising to me that made me feel... um, like I understood her commitment to the kind of politics that she practices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, that you did this book on a really tight deadline, uh-huh. and you have uh, written a piece on your on your blog that's on your website. Um, what's what's the your what's the website? Oh, it's it's www.sonyahuber.com. There you go. So you wrote this piece um, about how you actually wrote this book in two weeks, right? Which is insane. It's it's totally insane, and um, I will. How much time, first, before we get to that, how much time did you spend reading about her? Um, So we get a bigger picture of the entire time. Right, right, right. I think it was about another two weeks before that. So, and it sounds, it it, it was a pretty, I I wouldn't recommend it, you know, but, and I was also telling someone like, I couldn't have done this 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've done other uh, books and also just journalism. I mean, I think you probably get like, once you get the practice down for assimilating masses of information. Really what this was for me was a super long article Mm -hmm. where I got to include a lot more stuff. And I feel like I've written feature stories that have actually had just as much research, but I had to give up more. Right. So this is more like a big bucket where I could throw everything in. Mm -hmm. So it was almost easier in some ways. But um, yeah, but so I couldn't have done it 10 years ago and I couldn't have done it if I hadn't had a real sort of, I think, efficient process down for like gathering information, grouping it into subcategories. Yeah, it, that was, and my son was away at his dad's for the okay. week. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that was also essential. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the book is broken down almost by subject matter too, mm-hmm. which, um, can, I mean, you do, can you, why did you do that? Was that one way of making it easier to get everything done? Yeah, or? I just had to, especially the second half of the book. Like the first half is more like timeline and conceptual, like who is she? Mm-hmm. And then the second half is sort of just a laundry list. And that was just that I needed to hit a series of bullet points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so describe like what a typical day was during those two weeks for you. What- it was, I really, f- I mean, I've described it elsewhere as like, I felt like what I had to do was sort of, uh, barf out the 20th century. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was like this alien thing. I mean, I, I really, uh, uh, I would just, I'd be, uh, throwing quotes in like you probably know this too i just throw quotes in where they belong Mm -hmm. try and integrate them um i work in sort of a very associative process so i'd be moving back and forth between different sections Mm -hmm. and then um with the beginning part of the book really trying to figure out not only here's the information but what does this mean for me in terms of cultural analysis? Mm-hmm. You know, so like what what's her past telling me about the story also of my own reaction to her? So right. I was sort of like triangulating these things against each, each other. The narrative of her life, how I see her now as a journalist, and then how I have reacted to her at various points along my own political life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. so so you were uh, sitting there writing notes spread out all over the place or I do use, you work um, that way or no? I use uh, Scrivener. Okay, yeah, is, yeah. Do you use it? I don't, but I've heard of it. Oh, my so. God. I'm, I actually use – so here's my totally – this is on the blog if anybody's really interested <laughs> in geeking out on this. Is I use a combination of the program Evernote mm-hmm. and Scrivener. And then, um, uh, you know, so I'll read books. I'll fill them with, like, little page tabs, post-it notes. Mm-hmm. And then as I – I'll integrate stuff book by book into these uh, documents in Evernote. Mm-hmm. And then once I see that there's uh, pieces in Evernote that belong together, I import them in Scrivener. Okay. And Scrivener is really great because it's really easy to move stuff within a long document. Mm-hmm. So I totally – I could not have written this book without Scrivener. There's right. the commercial. They're not paying me, but it's really amazing. It's funny because um, <laughs> the last person who could, um, desperately tried to convince me to use Scrivener was Valerie Dew. Oh, really? Who, um, <laughs> mutual uh, just friend. Kind of mutual friend. And also she's been published in River Teeth, which I do work with as the associate editor looking for narrative journalism type stuff. And I know you've been published in River Teeth as well. Right. Uh, she put the hard sell on me about <laughs> um, three years ago at AWP. So I'm... Well, well aware, um, <laughs> but uh, and maybe at some point in time I'll try it out. But, I mean, uh, I feel like there's people know how to do all kinds of crazy stuff with it, like mm-hmm. color coded corkboard. All I do is like a series of documents mm-hmm. and like folders and subfolders. And you know, when you're writing like a 140 page document in Word, right? It's so frustrating to move stuff around. It's like impossible. So, well, yeah, and I'm finding that out now as I'm working on my book, right? Because I'm at like 100. And- 50 pages now and i'm like i don't remember if i mentioned something oh yeah on page you know and, and like you're scrolling the, and scrolling and, and scrolling, scrolling and scrolling <laughs> so maybe it's time to, to reinvest in, in scrivener and maybe that'll help me uh, but i think i'm too far gone at this point so he's got to finish this with this well one i right have now. to tell you actually for another a memoir that i'm working on uh i've actually <laughs> I've imported it back and forth between Scrivener and Word maybe four times. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think I'm done, but then I realize I've got structural stuff to do, so I'll import it back at a Scrivener and mess around oh, with it. So well, it's kind of I'm going to have you give me a workshop uh, on this <laughs> at some point in time, uh, which I can because I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but Sonia is joining me in the studio here at uh, 
Fairfield University at 88.5 WVOF. She is my colleague in the English Yay. department, which I am totally stoked about because this place is awesome. Yay! So, um, so you wrote this book in two weeks, um, it, that's, which is, is crazy. Um, there are some places in the book where you do kind of slip in. You don't do this often, where you where you get a little bit of first person, mm-hmm. and you start slipping in some of that, like you mentioned, when you're you're how you feel about this now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought those sections were really interesting, um, but I also wondered, like, were you consciously not doing that too much um, in the writing? Because if you did it, if it you did it all the time, then it could conceivably come off as this is just somebody writing about how awesome or yeah. how horrible Hillary Clinton right, is right. versus somebody who's trying to literally just say this is who history or not history but a, a collection a series of publications show that who she is does that make right, sense right yeah 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 I mean I think I definitely was conscious to not make it too voicey or too think PC because I really, like, I identify with people who don't know how they feel about Hillary. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted it to be from that point of view of, I mean, really, like, the, the ability to sort of step back and examine evidence seems to be in short supply Mm -hmm. right now in the United States. And, you know, I get very emotional about politics, but I just feel like right now it's approaching sort of a really... Uh, difficult level, yeah. you know, and so I, I really felt motivated to, I mean, I do a lot of political commentary, but I felt with this moment, I wanted to provide something that was like an antidote to that level of heat that mm-hmm. with, without an, a bit, without a whole lot of source background, you know, I just wanted to provide a sort of a calming middle way influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> um, did you, um, did you learn anything about your own work processes in doing this this project? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I think one thing that's really cool is that uh, uh, I've learned that uh, thinking like an essayist and thinking like a journalist are totally not um, exclusive, mm-hmm. mutually exclusive. So basically... I was stuck about how to structure this thing. And so essayist brain took over mm-hmm. for the big picture. But then I used journalism to actually, like, generate it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So in some ways, knowing that there's a way to have both of those things together was something that, uh, thank God, I just I happened on that because it happened to work. And it happened to let me get the book generated. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I mean, I think the other thing is, like, uh, I, I knew that I could digest a lot of information quickly, but <laughs> right, <laughs> I sort of pushed it to levels that I, I don't really want to reach again. But it's good to know that it's there in the case of an emergency. <laughs> would, would you ever do it again? You know, I, I uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I think I would do it more slowly and I actually did uh, the amount of time that I was staring at my laptop I like sort of had a neck injury that just now got cleared up Mm -hmm. so there are dangers to doing this but I felt really I'm on the other hand like I'm so happy that I did it Mm -hmm. because 
I, it was great to have the challenge, mm-hmm. and it was great to have the urgency, and it's been so satisfying, especially, like, I have friends who are really passionate Bernie voters who mm-hmm. were, like, depressed after Bernie right. and, a, exited the primary and uh, Clinton got the nomination. And I've heard from some of them that the book was actually, like, very therapeutic for them to read, mm-hmm. but because it was both... Uh, critical, but yet pointing the way forward. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, God, to be able to have done that for anybody at this point in the fraught American political landscape was awesome. So mm-hmm. I just I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to, like, engage in this way. Right, right. Um, so as, as I was reading this, I, you know, obviously this the, this book isn't is really different from yeah. other stuff you've written. Um from your memoir, Cover Me, uh-huh. and Open Nobody. Right. Um, entirely different. Right. So can you, I mean, describe, um, descri- talk about those books and kind of how you reported those. Because mm-hmm. even Cover Me has some reporting in it. Right. Um, versus how, you know, versus how you would approach something like the Hillary Clinton book. Right, right. So for Open Nobody, it's the story of my... Um, my German grandfather, and uh, he was an anti-Nazi activist in Germany. My, you know, sort of extended family over there was involved, very involved in politics. And I actually, the reporting process is the same. I just, the same immersion, the same, co- I use the same processes for mm-hmm. like, I just collect stacks of quotes, pages and pages. But then, um, I mean, the Hillary book was easier because I just sort of had to report that, right. you know, and structure it. Whereas, you know, with writing a memoir, my God, you have to digest stuff completely in a way yeah. that, you know, means you can actually fit far fewer facts in. Mm-hmm. So the only ones you can include are the ones that are super resonant on like multiple levels. Right. So I think just, I mean, I think a memoir is more... You have to mull over every piece of information so much more and, like, feel it and understand how important it is to the narrative. So it felt more like, Opa nobody. Oh, my God, there's so much research that went into that that's not in the book. Mm-hmm. And so I just had to – the process of polishing took another two or three years, mm-hmm. you know, after the after the writing and research. So. Right. So that was a like a two or three year book project that versus was five, a five yeah. year book project yeah. versus a four week. Right, right. <laughs> and I was making sure to tell people like like I posted on Facebook about this, you know, the two week process. But then I, you know, I said, I've got something that's only two hundred thousand words longer. That's taken me six years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's about like what words you choose and why. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and can you talk about cover me and sure. kind of how? In some ways, I can kind of see how that it doesn't really fit close. More, I mean, it does in the in the fact that it is a memoir, but it is couched in something that we all talk about and that affects us as a country, and that may come up in the presidential campaign. It's hard right. to tell what's actually going to come up after the debate on Monday night. Um, we're recording this the the Wednesday after the first presidential <laughs> debate, so. Um, but I mean, it is it is a national type mm-hmm. of topic, but it is com- you're you're coming at it from your own um, experience in that area. So right. can you talk about kind of yeah. maybe any similarities that that exist and, and differences? Definitely. So I, uh, you know, health insurance is an issue that I'm really passionate about, and I was 
uninsured for you know different periods of time and so I wondered you know I was trying to work on every other projects but then I kept just writing in my journal about how mad I was about health insurance Mm -hmm. and then eventually I was like oh my god I have enough pages that I have to do something with this and actually the whole book is really influenced by I mean I started it when I was working as a reporter and so the book is really influenced by I mean I look now at the book and I wish it had more reporting Mm -hmm. but at the time I mean, I and I did a lot of reporting, and then I I was in a weird situation when I was writing the book because I was both a reporter and uh, I was a case study that other reporters used for the issue of health insurance mm-hmm. and what happens when you don't have them. Mm-hmm. So on a on a, a meta level, that's not even in the book. Uh, I I was just so committed to not having myself be an anecdote, mm-hmm. you know? And so I decided I had all this reporting in there and I was like, no, I don't want to be the subject of my own feature story. Right. And so I did like in reaction to that, I stripped all the reporting out because, um, I mean, my feeling at the time, I'm still torn about it, but my feeling at the time was that the fact of voice that's narrating sometimes lets us not really identify with the case study. You know how it is yeah. as a journalist. You right. can flatten the case. You know, you, you find this tragic thing and you use them for two seconds and then they're done. Right. You know? Right. And so as a journalist, I was saying, what could I do that is just super different than that? And mm-hmm. so I was like, you know what? you got to do straight memoir. Mm-hmm. And... So yeah, it's 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 weird in that it was just a reaction to the practice of journalism in some ways, mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. I was uncomfortable doing it. Yeah, but you so you wish you had more. What do you wish was in there now? When you um, I sort of it? wish I I had had the last things that got cut for me. This is my own decision. Was stuff about um, uh, the history of health insurance? Mm-hmm. So like why we are in this messed up situation. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like I sort of didn't have the reporting ability that I would be I would be able to do that now better. Right. It's just one of those things. But but the problem that I was running into was the problem of voice shift. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So like what predominates? The voice of the person living through this? Then do we break for these like actually the interesting thing okay. is you know what I mean? Right. It's so hard to do those shifts back and forth. And actually that was my big nightmare in in Opa Nobody was the transitions. Mm-hmm. So painful. So I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to do transitions. Right. <laughs> I'm just going to make this a continuous voice. Right. So the thing was, the, the book was a reaction to Opa Nobody. It was a reaction to my frustration with what I felt was bad about that book, mm-hmm. which I guess always happens to writers. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, you have another book coming out. Um, in 2017, uh, titled Pain Woman Takes Your Keys, Essays from a Nervous System. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a great title. Thank you. Can you talk about that book? Totally. Um, I'm nervous about it, as I always am, <laughs> about a book coming out. Um, it is, uh, I have uh, I have a rheumatoid disease, which is an autoimmune condition. And I've had it for, uh, I think, like six years now. And uh, I just started, you know writing notes about it and uh and then i started saying you know the 
there's there's always got to be a, a writing challenge in a book as well as subject mm-hmm. matter challenge, right? Right. And so for me, the question was, how do I convey the pain experience in a way that doesn't transfer agony to the reader? Mm-hmm. Like, pain is just weird and kind of trippy, and <sighs> it's it's an altered state. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that it's not all bad, because it is bad, but... There's things about it that are just different. And so I just wanted to convey that. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, so it's my first uh, essay collection. And I just said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about overarching narrative. I just want to play and, like, see how weird I can get. And mm-hmm. there's some essays that have research and there's some that are almost poems. And I, like, let myself free with this book. And so... Even though it's about what would be a hard subject, I think it was my most fun book to write so mm-hmm. far by far. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds great. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, 2017, do you have an idea of when? I, or think, is it I think March. March. Okay, yeah. March of 2017. Who's publishing it? University of Nebraska University Press. of Nebraska Press. A great press Woo-hoo, for yes. sure. Awesome. Well, Sonia, thank you so much thank for joining you. me uh, for this podcast. I'm glad I could get you here in the studio while you're on sabbatical, <laughs> probably working on another book because you're epic. Um, but again, thank you for, uh, for joining the podcast. Thank you. And welcome to Fairfield. Thank you. <laughs> I've been talking with Sonia Huber. Huber has written five books, including The Evolution of Hillary Rodham Clinton. She's an associate professor of English at Fairfield University and teaches in the university's low-res MFA program. Her new book, Pain Woman Takes Your Keys, Essays from a Nervous System, will be available in 2017. We've linked to a lot of Huber's work on our website. That's at gangrythepodcast.com. You can stay up to date with the podcast by following us on Twitter, at gangrypodcast. That's at G-A-N-G-R-E. E-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. You can also like us on Facebook and subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. Go to gangrythepodcast.com to listen to all of the episodes of Gangry the Podcast. Gangry the Podcast is recorded in the studios of WVOF 88.5 FM at Fairfield University and is made possible by the university's College of Arts and Sciences. Technical help was offered by Chase Castle. The music in the podcast was produced by Noah Heyman. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by yours truly. I'm Matt Tullis. Thanks for joining us.